learn to enjoy the aim. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody short circuits there because they try to skip it. You know, they try to time it. And if you can learn to enjoy it and watch it do its thing, uh, it's that gets rid of so much if you can just learn to enjoy the aim. This podcast is brought to you by Excess Wings. They provide quality veins that I've personally shot for five years now. With the different shapes and lengths, I've been able to find the perfect combo to match my shooting style. I was using the 70 millimeter veins in my epic showdown with Dillinger this past summer at the US Open. I was extremely happy with the performance that it offered. With a gusty side wind, the 70 millimeter with a slow profile covered right through the wind and I barely had to aim off. If you're interested, check them out. Go to excesswings.com, fill up the shopping cart, and enter promo code BEARBOATPROJECT20. That's one word, BEARBOATPROJECT20 and get 20% off. Give them a try. Excess Wings. You shoot the stories, we just help. Hashtag Excess Wings for life. Alright folks, it's episode 6. 2020 Vegas shoot. The story of the Johns. We have John Demmer, John Dillinger, and John Winker. And I think that they're all getting referred to by their last names because if they don't, my phone and my mind are probably going to explode. But... At any rate, gentlemen, welcome to the Bearville Project podcast. Mr. Demmer, my long-term co-host, because Grayson's off on hiatus. Welcome back again, <laughs> sir. How are you, Demmer? Not too bad, not too bad. I think uh, Grayson's hot tub temperature has <laughs> got to be a little bit hot right now. So I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get him <laughs> sooner or later again. I know, I know. He's got to be pretty pruney by now. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's putting some miles on, even though he had he didn't make it to Vegas. His face is all over social media. And you know, didn't work as a good luck charm this time for me. I had it on my limbs the whole time. You did. Uh, <laughs> see, I still haven't put put my sticker on my belt. Do you guys have a have a Grayson sticker? I never got one. Oh my gosh, I got some. I'll send you one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Leslie Leslie has them on her lower limb. <laughs> no, wait, Winker, you don't have one on your lower limb. No, I, I'm not putting a Grayson sticker on <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with Winker on that one. Yeah, me too. I, I, I did joke around and I put one. You know how I wear my tape on my glasses? I put one on my glasses and then I put one on my nose like I was using it as a, as a string, as a protector for my nose. And I haven't touched one since. But there's a, there's a family that was over for the classic. Uh, Asha Chumber, I think, is, is the mom's name. And Amelia... She was another young lady that shot the shot and was above 500 at the classic. She, um, they, her mom like laminated it, and she's constantly taking pictures of Grayson's sticker with him. Amelia, Amelia's like 15 years old. Like everywhere they go over there in the UK, <laughs> she's always posting pictures and tagging us. It's absolutely hilarious. Uh, Sorry, Grayson. We we don't mean you to be the butt of our jokes for for the intro episode six. Well, I guess maybe we do actually. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, well, gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, Winker. This is your first time, and Dillinger, our first uh, mult multiple episode guest, and it happens to be two in a row. I don't know if I like that or or, or not. I don't know, Demmer. I mean, he's got a. Well, this, t- this is two Tell him to stop shooting good. Yeah, dude, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I have to remind me to give you that 50 bucks for ripping apart his bow after you guys were playing with those limbs. <laughs> I forgot that I owe you that. Um, so, 
So welcome back. Uh, welcome back, Dilly. You guys are all, you guys are going to NFAA Indoor Nationals, right? Uh, well, I'm going to go to USA Nationals in a week and a half. Yeah, and okay. depending, if I make top eight, then yeah, I'm going to go to Louisville. If I don't make top eight, then I'm probably not. You're going to make top eight. You'll do it. We're going to um, keep our fingers crossed. I just yeah. can't afford to keep closing the shop if I don't have to. So Yeah, I get that problem. I completely, well, I, my benefit is my wife will, she, you know, takes the helm for me when I'm not here. God bless her soul. You don't have, your your wife is still competing, which congratulations yeah. on her doing well out in Vegas. That's, that's got yeah, to feel really good for you guys. I'm, I'm happy for her. She's a, the switch from compound to barebow and really jumped, yeah, head first into it and went to Vegas and shot it. So that's, well, she shot at the yeah. classic too. I shot next to her. Yeah, what that, I after the classic, she put in a ton of work. She was, she was not happy with her classic performance. She came home. She really put her nose to the grindstone. And every day in Vegas, she shot better. Yeah, that's awesome. So it, was, it, was, it was awesome. So shout out to Leslie. Leslie's a, an awesome archery wife and archery partner for you at First Flight Archery. I mean, you guys, you guys are you're you're in it up to your up to your eyeballs, man. So oh, yeah, that's outstanding. Uh, Dilly, you're deaf. You're obviously indoor nationals. When do you shoot yours? Uh, next weekend. I'll so we go last. Weekend. I shoot with Grayson Winker. When do you shoot? Um, not this weekend, but the next. Yeah, same here. Right. So yeah. So you guys. So me and Demer this weekend, and then the three of you um, are the following in the final. I, no, was I get a... I get to watch all of your guys' names go down the list. That's the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, there's a lot. Of I other... would rather shoot first. Yeah, me too. You, you'll, you'll watch Frank's. You'll you'll watch Frank's go down the list. Hmm. Oh, okay, I see. I see. <laughs> right, let me let me quick go over the Vegas results there real quick and look at that last three hundred round. Oh, there. Okay, just sure. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. I, I'll tell you, man. Listen, you can say what you want, Denver, but I feel pretty good right now. I'm shooting well. I'm happy, and that's all I care about. So, yeah, if that was a legit target last night, you are shooting well. No, it, that, that picture was awesome. No, it was a legit target. I was actually shooting um, next to one of my parents the whole the entire time. I mean, it was it felt good. But anyways, I'm standing in my own range, the comfort of my own range, with music blasting, with like three people on the line, and I'm just shooting. So, of course, you're going to shoot your best in that situation. It's not the same. However, I did shoot online the other night for like five or six ends, and I shot pretty well then too. So on that live feed. Um, so it's all good. Whatever. I, I, I don't get, I have, I do not have the opportunity to get to all the tournaments like you guys do. I think that help. I think that hurts me in the long run, but it is what it is. It just got to buy your time. You got to take your lumps and you make the best of what you got. You know what I mean? But, um, yep. so my, my best days are almost always under pressure at a tournament. Yeah. My best scores are almost never in practice. Yeah, you've said that before. I mean, it's just you're one of those people that it, it motivates you to just stay on track and and move forward. And I think everybody, I think everybody's different. I think the vast majority, Denver, you might. I think we've talked about this that the vast majority shoot better practice scores than they do in tournaments. I used to be the opposite. I used to be like you, Winker. But since I switched to Barabow, it's I don't know. It's kind of hit or miss. I. Sometimes I shoot great scores and 
like great great scored some comps and then other times it's practice is where it's at so i don't know i think that's just marabou in general it's different know. for everybody you mean no i mean uh just the the score swings you yeah. know it's so me personally, I I don't know. I'm just I feel like I'm a little more consistent this year, but normally there's some big swings. I feel like, you know, yeah, like you know, like Vegas, you shoot 265 one day, the next day is 275. That's a big swing, that you is know. A big swing. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, that's just barebo. You don't see any other class really doing that. I don't yeah. think. No, yeah, you're right. That's. I think yeah, and you just, don't see any other class where today a 265 can win and tomorrow a 275 can win or can yeah. do this rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. No, that's a, that's a real good point. Well, um, as we roll through here, we obviously we're going to talk a little bit about Vegas. But first, I, Dillinger, I just want I want to start with you, man. So how does it feel? I mean, it, it's I know obviously I know the the. The general term is it feels great, but how does it feel to say that you went from the classic to the Vegas shoot and finished at the top of the podium? I mean, you've uh, got to you've got to be mentally you've got to just be in an amazing spot right now. Where are you at? How does it feel? Well, you know, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of talked to Dimmer about this a little bit afterwards, but really, you know, the Vegas shoot was just for me, just proving something to myself with Lancaster. There's a lot of, there is some luck that goes into it, depending on who you, who your elimination matches are with, yeah. um, how you're shooting at that particular time. And that, you know, that few ends or whatever. Yeah. Um, there is a little bit of luck, but also there, I mean, you got to step up and you got to shoot, be able to shoot on the stage. You know, also, I mean, basically, you got to win seven elimination matches where I was at to, to win the whole thing. So, I mean, you got to be shooting strong, of course. But um, let's rewind back to last year where Dimmer got me by one point. Right. And, <laughs> and I've been thinking about that over the last year. And it's like, ah, uh, what could I have done different? You know, and it's kind of funny because on our way out, we were talking to Brady last year, John. I don't know if you remember, but he was like, I said, he, he beat me by one point. He's like, well, next year, you know, or next time don't give him one point or, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, be up on him five points. So you don't have to worry about it, you know? So <laughs> it's kind of funny. And I was just like, and we had that five point gap on day three. And I was like, ah, I don't think it's enough. You know, I was like, <laughs> cause Dimmer could throw down a 285, you know, you know how he is. And so I was, I was a little bit nervous going into that last day but it, it all worked out. So I just, I was super relieved when it was over um, that I was able to kind of keep it together for three days and shoot pretty consistent. And so I was more proud of myself, you know, than, than anything super excited, but yeah, it's, it's great. I think it's safe to say that Demer was pretty proud of you as well. It's, it's yeah. a long, it's a long time coming. So yeah. It's, it's, I guess. it's been so many close <laughs> calls. So it, it it's does fun to watch. It is fun to watch knowing just the the way the two of you are for as long as you've been shooting. For the rest of the barebow community, it is fun watching you two compete against each other. I, and and it's 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 at every tournament. But you guys, without a doubt, are it's just it's entertaining, and you never know what's going to happen. I know Rob coined the the term barebow close, but. <laughs> 
you just never know what's going to happen. And it's nice yep. to see you, Dilly, being consistent and being on top of your game. Just like I said, you know, John, I owe you that 50 bucks for messing with his bow <laughs> in Vegas. But, you know, hopefully national in, for, for USA Nationals, we're, we'll see a little, little, little change in that. But no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> no, we're, that's cool, man. That's that's awesome stuff. I mean, it, thank you. So you are. Um, I don't know if this is the best time to bring this up, but you're testing another set of limbs, correct? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, Hoyt kind of got into the barrel market this year. Kind of, you know, made a dual purpose riser and the exceed, and you know. I think we're, we've kind of found that, you know, I, I, I like the setup and I like the Velos and, um, but we've kind of discovered that what works for an Olympic archer may not work for crawling down the string, you know? Yeah. So kind of been talking back and forth with the engineers at Hoyt and Bimmer's kind of been involved with this and trying to throw out some ideas on not only waiting on the riser, you know, the, the weight system and how just how to improve things and how to make a better riser for string walking and also limbs for string walking. So just literally a few days before Vegas, they, you know, gave me a set of limbs to try out. And, uh, you know, I took them home, made a string for them and everything. And I was like this, you know, these feel really good. And, you know, I'm not really seeing a big variance when crawling down the string as far as my tune and, um, kind of changed the shot reaction of the bow. And so I'm, I'm really liking them. So yeah, they were kind of, uh, <clears throat> it wasn't really an experimental set of limbs, but it was kind of repurposed limbs. So made to make them extra long. Gosh. So it went from like a 70 inch bow to like a 73 inch bow for Vegas. Oh, wow. So, well, it was a gamble because it was basically untested. I got them like a couple of days before Vegas. And I was like, you know, this will be really good testing, you know, just to see how they do and how, you know what I mean? How forgiving they are and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's um, all I can really say is there's going to be some exciting things coming from Hoyt and they're really taking an interest in Barebow and they're really stepping up to support the, you know, the Barebow community and they're listening. So that's good. Um, uh, yeah, I would, I would expect some exciting things coming. Well, that's outstanding. So well, you didn't, you didn't change anything other than equipment shot wise, what you were doing nope. when Lancaster ended <clears throat> changed to that last day before eliminations and stuck with, you know, point on the gold. Like you didn't change anything. Just the only thing you changed was the, was the limbs on your bow. Correct. Same poundage. Yeah. Roughly the same poundage, maybe a half a pound lighter. I don't know. Um, same, same arrows set up. Same VXTs. Yep. yep. Okay. Um, so everything else is the same. So, Winker, what were you uh, shooting for Lancaster and Vegas for equipment wise? For Lancaster, I was shooting a 29 inch CD and long X Tour limbs, 35 pounds. Um, I I was running a negative tiller in Lancaster, which I've had good success with all summer. And I struggled with a little bit this indoor season trying to get my groups tightened up. And I I wanted to change it before Lancaster, but I, 
I was shooting such good scores that I just did not do it. And then, but my groups weren't what I wanted. I got home from, I got home from Lancaster. I retillered the bow. I adjusted my plunger and my rest a little bit. Um, to adjust for the, for the retillering and instantly my groups were where I wanted them and my scores went up. I mean, oh, overnight they went up eight, eight to nine points. Awesome. Um, and then, and I changed. I changed the way I came into anchor in reference to where I'm looking at the point of my arrow. So I was doing a lot of walking across the target to get my arrow tip where I wanted it on the lollipop. And I, I started drawing as I was, as I'm coming from load to anchor, I made sure my arrow was close, very, very close to where I wanted it to be. And so that transition from anchor and expansion, I didn't have to work so hard to get my arrow to the lollipop. And that that smaller movement created less left and right variance. So the, the tiller tightened up my vertical group. What did you change your tiller to? I changed it to zero. Zero? Okay. Yeah, and for, for those that are those that are listening, how far uh, is your normal crawl for indoors? Um, three and a half Yoast, three large, one, one small Yoast. Okay. You can mark on a pro tab. So that's not oh. super far. No, it's a pretty small, but I have a really heavy arrow. Yeah. I'm, sh- I'm shooting a full length super drive, 23, 325 spine. Wow. With 300 grains up front. Ooh. Oh, wow. Wow. How many, how many pounds are you pulling? Uh, it's a 35 pound limb. It's almost 42 on my fingers. Wow, you are long. Wow, I got a really long draw length. Yeah, <laughs> man, you're you, got, you are throwing Lincoln logs out of that bow. That's yeah. But then my my outdoor rig is like completely opposite. I'm running micro diameter arrows. Yeah, only 140 up front, and I'm and I'm shooting like a 220 feet per second outside. So. Are you, did you shoot your indoor or your outdoor setup at all indoors and just to compare your scores? I did when I first, uh, as soon as we got done shooting um, the world championships in Canada, yeah, I came home and started shooting indoor with my outdoor rig, yeah. but my crawl is so big <laughs> at 20 yards um, that it just made it a lot of extra work. Not that I wasn't shooting good with it. My scores were okay. Um, but the crawl's so big that it's just a lot of, there's a lot of room for error. When you're walking the string down almost, you know, three quarters of the tab. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, I, I wanted to say to you, Winker, you, I mean, that was a, that was a major improvement. Let's go back to last year's classic. Huge improvement from last year's classic to this year's classic then again to vegas only a few weeks later so i mean oh and let's not forget 3d trials i know you made you you did decent with that especially with qualifying i know you shot well so like your yeah. your progress progress over the last year has been has been um very good so i mean congratulations well, on that man what 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 much. have been the what's the game changer and it's, I know you definitely so, are one to like pressure, but what's the game 
changer as far as you know your process your the th- what's the what are the key components well i think maybe what some people don't realize is, is i've only been shooting barebow for just a little over two years um so i shot longbow prior to that and for about a year and a half and prior to that i i was a compound freestyle shooter um so i i shot longbow i had a lot of fun with that nfaa decided um against all good common sense to get rid of the longbow class right as i was starting to love it um and so i i I actually i called um calvin smock and talked to him a little bit because he was on the 3d team with me as a longbow shooter and he was like, well, just teach yourself to shoot barebow. And so he sent me a riser to play with. And, um, and so I taught myself to shoot barebow about just a little over two years ago. And I, I contacted Demmer and Dwayne Martin. And both of those guys helped me kind of figure out, uh, you know, how to, set up, how to set up a recurve bow to do, to make it do what I wanted it to do. And then I got kind of, I got relatively good at it, you know, relatively short amount of time yeah absolutely. and then and then Dwayne and calvin were like hey you know don't don't go back to longbow you need to you know buckle down and figure this thing out because you've got a you've got a single string talent and you need to you need to figure out how to how to you know get to the top fast because i'm i'm 43 so i'm not getting stronger or faster (laughs) so they were like figure it out and figure it out quick so, so I got a hold of Demmer again, and he kind of walked me through some, you know, tuning tips. And and then in Canada, we actually retuned my bow right before we started scoring, because I was like, well, I'm having trouble with my blur. I can't get my left and right under control. And he was like, well, I'll help you fix it, but we're gonna we're gonna totally re screw up your tune right before a world championship. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Let's just do it. I want to <laughs> score the highest. I want to score the highest I can. And so day one, I got used to it. And day two, I had it under control and I shot, I shot out of my mind on day two. Um, put the fourth highest score, score up on the board and felt like it was the easiest, easiest score I ever shot. Yeah, I remember that. So, I remember, I remember the day one versus day two because we were watching it from obviously from afar. That's impressive stuff. Good for it's, you, man. It's just one of those. It's one of those things where, I, and I tell I tell my students too the same thing. If if you believe your equipment will shoot better, it does. Yeah. And and if you believe that you can shoot better today than you did tomorrow, you can. All you have to do is take that attitude to the extreme and say, yeah. "I'm going to go to Vegas and I'm going to win." And, and if you believe it hard enough and you believe that equipment is flawless, regardless of regardless of the actual tune, you know, you can go in and, and you can do whatever you want to do. Absolutely. I think you are a testament to what we've discussed on the podcast many times before that when you get into something, Barebow doesn't have to be that hard. It's going to take hard work, but it doesn't have to be that hard. You just you have to get the right information. And you have to get it early on, and you have to implement it right away. And That's you, exactly you right. and you are a prime example of that. You're two years into the sport. You finished second at Vegas this year. You've made a huge jump over the last year. 
and and a lot of it is a testimony a test a testimony to the bareboat community itself that you talk to Calvin. You obviously you talk to John. You talk to Dwayne Martin. Dwayne is like a staple as far as even three D and Target. He's like you know um, a staple within within the bareboat community. You got good information, implemented it, and boom, look where you're at. And and that's we've been tr- sort of preaching that literally from day one, from the very first podcast. Like people, go take the information from the people who are out there physically doing it and making it work in in every discipline out there. We're not telling you we're experts in 3D. We're not telling you we're experts in the 50 meter game or the 18 meter game. We're saying, but here's here's people who are performing in all disciplines. And performing at high levels, and this is how they're doing it, and this is what you need to do. And here you are, you were on, you represented our country on the 3D national team. You finished second in Vegas. You shot well in Lancaster this year. Let's face it, you did with with not even the best tune of on a on a bow. You still shot well, yep. and you know it's just it's not that hard. People just need to look at what's right in front of them. You got all these people out there putting out information, trying to help, trying to grow Barabow. And, you know, you coach, you have shooters, you you see the frustrations that happen. You see the people who come in who need the help and you have the experience of helping develop a new shooter. And yeah, and that's right. And this, this sport, Barabow, the sport of Barabow, it's not like anything else I've ever played. If, no. if I, I can go to the very top. I can ask, well, I mean, let's just face it. We're talking to the top right now. You can you can Facebook message Messenger Demmer or Dwayne Martin or John Dillinger and say, Hey, I just have this question about, you know, what what does it actually do when I increase my plunger tincher or decrease my plunger tincher? Because I see you guys doing that. And they're gonna tell you an honest answer. And they're not gonna they're not gonna BS you or try to work around or sell you something. They're just gonna give you the answer. And you can take that to the bank because those guys you guys they're they're winning right they're using that information to win and they're out there doing it so nobody's nobody's keeping secrets no no it's you're 100% right yep well the other thing is um when you're when you're trying to get better uh and you're seeking information it's you seek seek that information and implement it don't look or give excuses. Um, you're, you know, excuses aren't going to get you better. And that's one of the big problems I see. And when somebody asks a question, well, you know, what do you, what do you think? What do you suggest? And, and I'll get some more background information on them and then make a suggestion. And the first thing would be, oh, well, you know what? That won't really work for me. Yeah. And it's like, well, why? Have yep. you tried it? No, I just know it's not going to. So don't, you know, don't look for excuses. Um, don't look for reasons why you're not doing well, you know, figure it out. Like, like Winker said, figure it out, ask the questions and implement them, try them. Yeah. And, and don't ask questions if you don't want answers. Yes. If, if you're asking, if you're asking the, the, if you're asking the people who know and they give you the answer, don't immediately dismiss it. If you're going to immediately dismiss it, just don't ever ask. If you want to, if you want to stay in your, if you want to stay in your lane, and do the thing you're doing, and and be with, and be the level of shooter that you are. Don't waste time 
attempting to get an answer that you're going to dismiss immediately because that wastes your time, it wastes my time, and it wastes, you know, this general energy. But if you're out there looking for the answer, you want the help, it's out there. It's yeah. easy to get. And it's easy to implement. All you got to do is just take that and run with it. Yeah. And you have to trust. You have to trust the people who are physically putting up the scores, the people who are out there making it happen and, and, and say, like, it's working. It's it's working. We're not – and nobody's hiding anything. Nobody's – there's no, you know, there's no secret. It's all out there for public to hear. This is what you got to do. And Yeah, that's right. Well – yeah, that, there's there's no quick fixes in my, in my mind. There's no you got to put in the work. You got to put in the shots. You got to know your shot. You got to know know your bow. I mean, I've watched Dimmer on many occasions basically retune his bow in the middle of a round. Yeah. And you can't be scared to do that. I mean, you've got to you know what I mean? You got you got to understand how your bow works, how your shot works. If you're struggling, you have to know your shot well enough to make adjustments mid round. And you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah absolutely. You can't just grab a bow and some arrows and go shoot and expect to, to shoot. Well, I mean, you've, there's a lot to, I've learned stuff all the time. I'm still learning stuff. And, you know, I, we, we, you know, it's, there's no quick, easy band-aids in this game. I mean, if you're struggling with target panic a little bit, okay, we'll change your process. Yeah. I mean, it's, you've got to, you got to fight for it. I mean, um, you know, I go through some anxiety issues too, but I mean, it's, it's, you just have to, you just have to work through it. You make a bad shot, you just move on to the next shot. You know, it's, I don't know. It, I, that's yeah, what I get frustrated with is everybody's looking for a quick, easy fix and there's no quick, easy fix. You just have to, you know. You have to want it and you have to earn it. I think Calvin has some kind of saying about that is, you know, it's not given to you, basically. You have to go earn it. Yeah, what did so, he tell me once? He said something like, I'll give you all the stuff, but if you don't if you don't learn to use it, then it, it'll never shoot in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great point. And just for those who are listening, if they don't know, we're talking about Calvin Smock, one of the owners of uh, C&D Archery. And they are... Like many other companies, um, they are great supporters of the barebell world, the entire yep. community, and we we owe it to them to to definitely make mention and throw them some uh, dare I say internet applause because Cal, you know they're just they're good people and it's a he's right though there's no there is no replacement for hard work I have. I can tell you myself, I have never shot so many arrows in my life than I have over the last year. Bottom line. And it's, and it's figuring things out, working on it. Thank, thank goodness for uh, Grayson and John, because John Demmer, of course, <laughs> um, with the, the tuning question and stuff, because I had no idea. Um, I, you know, I, I could shoot an Olympic recurve, but let's face it, you can shoot a poorly tuned Olympic recurve half decent. And, you know, when it comes to the barbell, the more forgiving your setup is, the better your scores go and the better your groups are. So it's it's been I still have a lot to learn, but it's been one heck of a of a ride and that's it's just by volume. You in in order to get a good tune, your form has to be good. We've talked about that before too. Like you have to be consistent as a shooter in order to really get a finite to a tune. Cause you're just gonna get a false tune if your form is 
crappy and you're you're all over the place. It's, I love we talk about that with like the internet groups and stuff. You see people out asking about tune, about tune, about tune, but they can't keep them in the red at twenty yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get I get people ask me those questions at the shop too. They say, you know, do I need to move my plunger or move my rest? And I'm like, I have no idea. You haven't hit the target sixteen times out of thirty. You know, yeah. Yep. If you can't if you can't create a group, I can't I can't mechanically fix that. Like you should be able to shoot a group with a wooden bow. You yeah. gotta work on your you gotta work on you first. Form first. I, I got a I, yeah, I got a I got a fourteen or fifteen year old kid at the shop in the Joe Ed program. And if he if he would practice two more days a week, he would wear me out. <laughs> But he's got football and he's got high school and, you know, girls and who knows what else. Two more days a week and he and he would wear us all out. With a with an SF riser and and, you know, WNS limbs and some platinum, some X75, XX75 platinum pluses. Yeah, Uh, you got to be fearless a little bit. I'm sure, you know, John can tell you this. You got to have that. You know, you're up there on the line. You kind of, you can't be timid. You've got to have that killer instinct of, I'm going to make this shot if it kills me, and I'm going to be disciplined in my shot, and I'm going to be, you know what I mean? And it's, I shoot with, I talk to so many people that, you know, they they struggle with their bow arm or their release hand, and I'm like, just work on it. You know, work on it. You you know, it's you're the only one who can fix it. I mean, if you got to go home and shoot a hundred shots and just working on. Um, your bow arm, do it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's, there's just no replacement for hard work, you know, and it's some days you don't want to go out and shoot, but you know, you have to do it. And once you're out there shooting, it's, it's pretty fun, but I just, you know, there's just no replacement for it. And I mean, if I could, and I feel bad for some people that can only get out and shoot once a week, or they can only make it to the range once a week. And I'm like, it's, it's like golf. You're not going to be a good golfer if you go play nine holes once a week, or yeah. you know, it's it's like anything else. That's a little. I I get a little standoffish though when people say, "Oh, I can only shoot once a week." There's ways around that. If you're truly yeah. dedicated to it, there's ways around it. You can shoot in your garage. You can shoot down the hallway in your apartment. You could get a stretch band and run as many shots as you want, and and you can find ways to make it work if you are ready and willing to put in the time and the effort you can make it happen you we spend so much time training for this flipping sport or running a business or whatever we, you know Dillinger you have like 25 kids I mean I'm, <laughs> no you know what I'm saying though like it's if you want it bad enough you will find a way to make it work yep. yeah, I think the flip side of that coin is though so my so for 3 d Wait, you're, years. you're breaking up a little bit. There you go. Okay, let's see. So for 3D for the last two years, I worked my tail off, shot hundreds and hundreds of thousands of arrows, it seems like. Yeah. This year for indoor, uh, we've been trying to grow the business, and I've only been shooting, I've probably been shooting less than 100 arrows a week. That's a lot. For, for the last three months. But every arrow I shot mattered. I didn't... I. I never just went and and cycled arrows. Yeah. I went and every single arrow I was thinking about I was thinking about some part of my process that I was making 
work and making count. So even if you can't shoot three or four times a week, if you're only able to shoot a hundred arrows a week, you should make a commitment to make every single arrow count. And yeah, that was quality quantity. versus quantity. Yeah, quality matters, yes. right? Quantity's quantity's nice, yep. but quality matters. Yep. And I, I I believe that. I think you can more, do more damage than good sometimes if you just go out there just to fling arrows. Okay, I'm going to put in my 200 arrows today, and yeah, I would rather that's... shoot 20 quality, in my mind, near-perfect shots than 200 nah shots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you Absolutely. lose focus. You lose focus, and then by losing that focus, you're actually creating some bad habits. Yep. Uh, it, can, it can pop up really easy, and then you just – constantly reinforce that same bad habit over and over and over again yeah i don't know about you winker but i've sent a few kids home from practice a, a handful of times I, even adults i've said go home you're done and they look yeah, at me we, and i'm like we get pretty close there a lot. i'm like I'm like listen i said not that because they're they're pouting and they're like oh i don't know what i'm doing I don't know. and and it's either listen go over and shoot blind bail and let's iron it out or if you insist on wanting to shoot at a target face, you're, you might as well just go home because we're just sending a bad message and driving home the wrong information into your brain and into your shot process. Just go home. Because yeah, a lot of sure. times you go and take a day, two days, three days off, and you come back and all of a sudden, boom, you're spot on. Yeah. You need to walk away. There's nothing wrong with that. I am a huge advocate for the week before a big tournament, scaling back your volume, working on blind bail, doing draw holds, finish, you know, making sure that your shots are super strong and just break it into the, the parts of the shot, and that's it. Not shooting 600 arrows the week before a tournament where you only have to shoot 60, especially the night before. I mean, some people shoot well that way. Like, Denver, I know you have a tendency to shoot some higher volume. And it works. For, it works for you. That's your system. You know, for me, I, it's not. I, 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 it's almost like I wear myself out. I don't know. I think mentally, probably more than anything. But everybody has their their own niche, or their way to do it. I'll agree with that. Jim. What do you think, John Demmer? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I, I, this I, is the guy that shoots three hundred arrows after a tournament round, reaching his bow two times and changing stalls, and he's like, "Okay, I'm ready for tomorrow." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I I do shoot volume at times, uh, but man, there's times I probably shouldn't because I'm just not mentally there. And like I would say, for this probably past week or two. Uh, it's probably been a very strong case in point that I lose focus. Mm -hmm. I probably shot tonight trying to find, I'm trying to find a different, I'm trying to find a tune for national, you know, believe it or not, like two nights before uh, I tried yeah, one arrow. Cool. It's not, it's not shooting good. It's squirrely change something, not shooting good. And now this time I'm like just rolling out volumes of arrows. And then there's like, I don't know, 10 minutes left to the shop, you know, before they close. I'm like, all right, no, I got to figure this out. Let's stop, settle down. We're going to try to make some good quality shots, even though that's what I should have been doing the whole time. But mentally, I was maybe 80% engaged. Well, now it's 100% engaged. And now it's like, all right, shot an arrow, make adjustment. Shot another arrow, make adjustment. All right. And it was 10, 10, 
10, 9, 9, 10, 10. I'm like, dude, where, where was this the previous hour and a half? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's because I just lost focus a lot. Like I took 20% of the mental out of the game and just started flinging arrows because I'm trying to get repetition. Um, and by doing so, I, I lost focus and kind of ended up hurting myself. Do you think, I know you, you were having some elbow issues, right? Now you, yeah. you've changed your bow. Is that affecting your tune? Because you've dropped some weight, both in your draw weight and your bow mass weight, correct? Yeah, so that's that was part of why I was here today, trying different tunes, because I just yeah. couldn't, uh, for a week now, I tried 35 pounds. I just can't do it. So I'm just going to bite the bullet. I up everything, put, put some weight back on my bow. And just going to work through this weekend. And as soon as this weekend is done, I'm going to take everything back off uh, and just work on shot and mental and not worry too much about the score. Cause I know the score is not going to be there with that, with that equipment, Yeah. but I can work on that mental and can work on the form in the meantime, while I'm waiting for uh, NFA indoors. When you're having like physical problems, especially when it's an elbow or whatever, that's that's tough. I I've had some back issues. I've never had any other any any shoulder issues or elbow issues, but you know, I can't imagine dealing with that. And the volume that you shoot or that you're accustomed to shooting, it's gotta be tough. I, I don't envy you at all. I don't know if you're doing anything to treat it, but injuries affect every sport and you've been doing it for so long thank goodness for the rest of us that you have otherwise none of us would be where we are but um you know it it sucks uh but you make do with what you got right uh that wasn't why i didn't shoot i don't think that was why i shot bad this third day it's just just wasn't clicking it was probably a day that i just kind of zoned out a little bit mentally and had a couple mental lapses and that just kind of, I don't know, just, I played with tune. I played with tune just a little bit. I think, I think I was borderline the whole time where I was borderline contact. And the third day, I think I was getting a little bit more contact than normal because I had some good shots that felt pretty good and they just weren't scoring very good. Um, and that's what I was having here the last probably week and a half where today I finally realized that I found out where my contact was from and got that fixed. So that I think that's, I think I was skating that borderline tune the whole time and it just, it bit me the third day. Do you think that gotcha. that final tune part, and you've mentioned that to me before, do you think that final tune part, this is sort of a question for all three of you, is that is that maybe like the separation of of that upper, let's, what do you want to say, 3-5% of the bare bow shooters out there, the ability to find that final tune, is that what separates everybody else? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. No, uh, because, think so either. because it like, the perfect tune for me and the the one that's on edge uh-huh. will shoot almost the same scores most of the time, but my down days won't be as down. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I, th- I think the same I agree thing. With that. So it's like a forgiveness factor. You just you yep. have more forgiveness in that in that final tune. 
Yeah. So that lower end score comes up. It's not so much that your higher end score goes up. It's more so that your that gap between your highs and your lows is smaller. Yeah. Yeah, like for for me in Vegas, I think 280 was probably maybe 285 would have been absolute upper end max for me. Uh, and the first two, first day wasn't there. Second day was really close, and you know, the third day was like uh, not so close. <laughs> <laughs> Good way to put it. <laughs> so I I work with I work with two other guys that um, one of them's just getting into barebow, and and he's a he's a good compound shooter and the other one's been shooting traditional um somewhat instinctive uh barebow for a long time in trad class the, the irony of this is that all three of us that work in the shop are all john also <laughs> oh um, whoa. so i i can shoot the other two john's bows i can they're totally tuned they're tuned completely different from mine one guy shooting micro diameter weak spine tune um, the other one's shooting a fat diameter, um, and he's shooting an exceed with velos. And so all three bows are completely different. I can pick any one of them up and go shoot almost the same exact score. And the tune is not my style of tune, but it takes me six arrows to find the middle. And then I can shoot almost my regular practice scores with them any given day of the week. So I don't think. I really don't think tune has anything to do with it. I think being able to feel a good shot is is the difference. If you can feel a good shot on your bow, you should be able to feel a good shot on almost any tune. And if you can if you're not under a ton of pressure, you should be able to throw arrows into the middle with you know, with a Samic Sage. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the idea of forgiveness is where where it comes into under pressure. I could probably take, yep. I could do the same thing with a galaxy torch that's out here and shoot a decent score with it. But if you, I could take John's bow when he's here and we're messing around and probably shoot a decent score with it. But when you're standing on the competition line under some anxiety and a little bit of pressure, that's where the forgiveness comes in. You know, Absolutely. having the yep. ability of having a, a final tune or a closer tune, you know, yep. when your shot is maybe just a little bit off, your final tune helps you still find the middle. So, you know, maybe that's the the idea behind the conversation. But no, it's good. It's good hearing them all. I think, Demer, the thing that that amazes me though is I stood next to you shooting like a week or two prior to that and watched you throw a two ninety one down there, and like a five sixty nine or whatever it was, and to just see the the transformation. I mean. It's there. It's just finding the right setup, and you've messed with risers and limbs and this and that, and so it's been a long indoor se- indoor season for you. And now to have the elbow issues, man. I mean, I'm not. I'm not worried about it. I know how to take care of it. So yeah. I'll be. I'll, what you see this weekend will be the best version of myself at that time. So <laughs> whatever happens, happens. <laughs> I don't feel bad for him. You know how many national records this guy has. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Not okay, enough. John? Not enough. Yeah, it's, it's, not enough. <laughs> I, I, I scroll through those every once in a while. I see John Dimmer, John Dimmer, John Dimmer, John Dimmer. I'm like, you. <laughs> There's no so love if, if he's struggling a little bit, I don't really feel that bad for him right now. Yeah, and it's only a matter of time before Grayson knocks them all off. 
or one of or one of you two step up and not if he's up snowboarding snowboarding in a hot tub <laughs> three three weeks before every major tournament i'm just gonna send them an email with some snowboard package or kayak package (laughs) yeah we should all pitch in and buy him a snowboarding trip to like colorado or something yeah yes exactly well he'd never say no he'd be like oh yeah i'm definitely gonna go do that that's awesome we got you all access passes (laughs) to the closest place one That's week it. before every major Ve- tournament. Ve- Vegas 2021. We're going to pitch in and buy a canoe trip or something. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have to go down south because it's a little cold. But, hey, uh, yeah, hey, we can Grace, do that. We got you a skydiving. <laughs> we got you a skydiving trip. We got you a kayak trip, a snowboarding trip, and a hunt in Saskatchewan back in the backwoods of Canada somewhere. Um <laughs> <laughs> one week before Lancaster, one week before Vegas, yeah, and all the right. other tournaments that are coming up. That's right. Oh man, we bust <laughs> on him so much, but he don't worry, he returns the favor. That's for damn sure. Yeah, he uh, returns it in scores. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. And he's John. It's funny he, you said about like you shot like a hundred arrows a week or whatever. That's the way. I mean, Grayson can shoot five hundred, but. He can. He yeah, can but just, he's like 26 years old. Yeah, he can yeah. show up and shoot. He can shoot like 120 arrows in a week and show up and shoot a 570. Like it's, it's a, it's pretty impressive to watch happen for sure. I know he's. Yeah, absolutely. I think he gets bored. I got. I got to wake up and get all the creaks and cracks out before I can shoot an arrow. Yeah, Denver, We finally found somebody older than me. I'm. I'm pretty excited. Uh, I. I. I don't believe it. I think I got y'all beat though. Yeah. I, Do you? Yeah, I think. What are you? Oh, he's like a senior citizen here pretty soon. He can I'll shoot be in the, the master ma- class. He can, before yes, you know yeah, he's gonna be in the master class probably next year, right? Two years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank I'm God. a couple of years behind you. I'm forty. I'm coming 40, for you, Rick. You're forty. I'm forty-eight. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Rick. Stonebreaker, he's coming. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Stonebreaker. <laughs> Better get those records high pretty soon. They're going to go down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That'd be good fun. I'll I'll, I'll be looking forward to those matches. (laughs) I'll be on the senior side watching you guys duke it out on the master (laughs) side. (laughs) Stay in your lane. (laughs) I might pull a bin and just hang out in the seniors for a while. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Yeah, Ben is still hanging around. And uh, well, Barker Barker does on certain tournaments. But Calvin did the same thing back uh, when I was shooting longbow. I said, "Why don't you shoot in the senior class?" He goes, "Well, I'll move up to senior when somebody, or you know, I'll move up into the masters class when somebody down here can finally beat me." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I got close a couple of times, and then uh, I think Tim Tim Johnson and and uh, and Jimmer put the heat on, on last year, and, and Calvin said. All right, <laughs> time to move up. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Tim, uh, Timmy's gonna be shooting longbow. I think next weekend. I think they shoot yeah. as well. Yeah, I think so. Nice. Yep. So there's a bunch of you guys shooting next next weekend. Well, I think everybody else that hasn't shot yet. Yeah, I'll be hitting the refresh button like crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and where do you shoot? Tim- are, where are you guys shooting at, Dillinger? Where are you? Where's your uh, nationals at? 
Salt Lake City at the Easton Center. Oh, okay. We did talk about that. They got new lighting, too, so I'm excited about that. I hope they say your target's really high. (laughs) (laughs) Six-foot minimum. Yeah. At least least top, and you're not allowed to move him. (laughs) Oh, I'm moving that sucker down. He's going to be walking down there and go, oh, soft spot, soft spot. Everywhere's a soft spot. (laughs) You got got Jeff Roy going to be shooting that one, so you got a good... Good person to go against and keep you honest and keep you on your toes. Yeah, yeah. You can't t- count Jeff out, that's for sure. So. No. It'll be and, uh, and, John, you're shooting – are you shooting Virginia? Yes, sir. Yeah, you'll be shooting with Grayson. He'll be, yep. that'll be a good one, yeah. Shot with him last year. It was really fun. The, on- the only way I'll ever go back to NFA, I think, is if, if I'm in that shoot-off. I, I hate the blue face. Oh, really? Yeah, the blue faces. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I hate it as much with a single string bow, but the compound bow, it is that target is miserable for me. It's like a it's like a marathon of trudging through mud. Yeah, I could see that with a compound. I should have we have a setup. We have a local kid here that's pretty good, and uh, the the feet of face. He's usually you know fifty two to fifty nine x and. That that blue face he hates aiming on it as well, because uh, he a lot of the shoots up here like we just had our st- well our state shoots going on this weekend, and then in two weeks we have our sectionals, and he's always fighting. They they changed it here so everybody shoots inside out, so you got to shoot you, you shoot circle X's so you can't touch the uh, the big X yeah. on that blue and white, and he shoots way more outside of that circle than he does huh. when he's shooting a feet of face. That target makes everybody lazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it does. It makes it does. me complacent as all get up. Yep. I agree. I have, I have the similar the similar reaction to the Portsmouth round on a 60 centimeter. Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get me kicked off some other Facebook page. We'll get you kicked We'll get you kicked off the podcast, too. <laughs> We're not invited to some of the others that are out there. Um, yeah, I, I the blue-white face doesn't bother me. I don't shoot it enough, maybe, for it to bother me. I really don't mess around with it. Like, I probably won't I won't shoot a, the blue-white face at all. Uh, if maybe a day or two before the tournament, I just don't, I don't know. I'm just going to, to be able to attend the national tournament and basically with any luck make the top eight and it is what it is but yeah i was gonna say if the, with, with any luck the four of us will see each other in the shoot offs and i won't practice one ounce on that blue face but i'll go shoot it while i'm there yeah exactly <laughs> yeah same yeah i'll tell you what it it would be a good time if put some of some of our personalities together in a shoot off there's a bunch of others that are great and it's always it's always fun but man we would have a good time and that's is that a three spot too? The so the finals for that is all three spot, correct? Vertical three spot, yeah. yeah vertical three spot. No choice. I'm, you have to shoot I'm it. I'm fine with that. I've been practicing that. Yeah. So yeah. Twenty of my hundred arrows a week. <laughs> twenty twenty of my hundred warm up. His couple handful of warm up ends. He shoots a three spot. That's a yeah. That's well, funny. you know, I was actually planning on shooting the three spot in Vegas. I had practiced it. I and intended to shoot the three spot in Vegas. And right before the second end of practice, I got a phone call from the John that was helping me keep the yeah. shop open. 
and a tree had fallen on my fence at the house and my three dogs had gotten out of the fence. And so I was, I spent the first five ends of the first scoring round in Vegas figuring out how to get my fence fixed and my dogs back in the fence. And as soon as he called me, I turned my target face over and started shooting the single spot. Cause I was oh, like, man. Oh man, I, I can't, this, I can't shoot a three spot under this conditions. No, God bless you. I remember talk, we were texting back and forth about that. I'm glad everything worked out. Your pups got out and everything and can't even fathom, you know, but Hey, your mind probably wasn't on shooting and you probably shot decent. Oh yeah, first day was wonderful. I yeah. I'm so focused on saving the dogs. I, it was it was all yellow. <laughs> it was all it was effortless. <laughs> it was it was it was the easiest thing I did. And then day two, I worked a little harder. And then day three was I don't know. Day three was just honestly watching Dillinger just keep smoking that target over and over and over again. I was like, holy cow! And then yeah. before I knew it, my day, my second half of the day three. Somebody came over in three ends before we were finished. Somebody came over and they're like, dude, you haven't missed a yellow yet. And I was like, thank you very much for pointing that out. <laughs> thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> and then I, immedi- I immediately shot a six. So I had four- 14 arrows in the yellow and a six. <laughs> hey, just in case you didn't know, it's the eighth inning. You're pitching a perfect game. Note note to self, everyone. Note to self. If somebody's shooting really well, don't walk over and say, hey, you're shooting really, really well. Good job hitting the gold on the last 18 arrows. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. But, you know, and the funny thing was, is like day three, I keep my app refreshing for the scores because that's what kind of drives me to shoot that way. I I like that. So I kept refreshing my app, refreshing my app, refreshing my app. And I'm looking down at my target, and I'm like, this is going to be the single greatest game I've ever shot in a tournament. And then I stepped up, and it was like I it was like I just forgot what the hell I was doing. Oh, and I'm man. watching this arrow go down range, and I'm like, that arrow's not going to reach the target. <laughs> and then, boom, it's stuck in the six. And I thought, well, get your act together, buddy. What the are you doing? Yeah. It's funny. That's exactly it up, how it but... happens. As soon as your yep. mind is refocuses on score or arrow value a lot of times it just everything goes out the window yep that was an awesome day though watching yeah. watching you watching you win that dillinger was was almost as fun as finishing second it was it was amazing putting up three scores like that in a row after after winning lancaster it was it was awesome to watch hey, i appreciate that thank you yeah yeah both of you guys shot really good that that last day Let's oh, not forget yeah. the other John Chip. Yeah, he, I, I don't Chip, know him. Chip shot good too. I've never met him, but he shot yeah. really, really well. Yeah, yeah that guy. I I was shooting like a practice round, with, you know, on the practice range with him that first day, and I'm like, huh, you know, I was like, <laughs> yeah. uh, this guy, this guy can shoot. I was like, he's going to do pretty well. And, Leslie uh, shot with him. Leslie shot with him the first two days of scoring, and she said, "Hey, you 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 gotta watch this guy. He's he's going to win this thing." <laughs> Yeah, was, I was like, I was like, who? He's like, she's like this guy, John, on my bail chip. He's he's smoking it, and sure <clears> enough, <throat> he was he was right there. He definitely handles the pressure really well. His demeanor and attitude didn't change from day one to day three. I mean, he was just plugging away. Yep. So yeah, he was yeah. a super nice guy too. Yep. That's awesome. He uh, he definitely was. I never heard seen his name before. I just 
it was just a running joke online about the story of the Johns and everybody. And at Waker, you were like, hey, I guess I'm one of the Johns finally or something like that <laughs> on the one post. I was like, you definitely are, man, because you were smoking it. And it just – and then there's the ongoing joke. I guess I have to change my name to John and shoot it at Hoyt. And then it was <laughs> it. And ironically, Waker, I know you used to shoot a Hoyt. So it yeah. just oh, – it was funny watching the 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 – aftermath of all of that but no well good good job guys and again it was just i don't know it was just so much fun to watch i wish i could have been there i was almost going but last minute sort of changed my mind but you know is it is it different in vegas compared to some of the other big shoots because it's only 30 arrows a day do you think yeah it's for, for me it's it's a mental marathon because you're only shooting for yep. um, you're shooting for an hour and a half, and you're in one of the most I don't want to know it, you're in you're in an environment where you can easily lose focus. <laughs> From and the so, <laughs> right, well, yeah, but anything like because there's yeah. there's so many shows, there's such good food, there's so much entertainment, and you you can't tell what time of day it is. You could end up you know if you're not if you're not careful, you get you're wrecked in Vegas just because you're in Vegas. Yeah. So it's definitely a marathon. I think like, uh, other shoots are more of a sprint. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's a grind mentally. I think Vegas mentally is kind of a grind. It's because it's kind of, it's over before you know it. You know what I mean? It's like one round is just, it's 30 arrows. So, I mean, there is pressure there. I think it's different. Um, you know, you get all the 30 of them arrows got to count. But also, on the other hand, you could actually have not like not a good day in Vegas, and you could still turn around and win the thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um. So when one bad day doesn't kill you, it's just you got to shoot two more strong good days. But I don't know, John Dimmer, what do you think? Uh, I I struggle with Vegas, partly with what Winker was saying, because uh, I usually go to Vegas to and try to enjoy everything, uh, and we're a lot of times we're we're taking out friends and showing them the town and go, go to different parks and see different things. Cause they're, you know, coming from another country. So we try to be a good host. Uh, we, we enjoy it ourselves as well. And the other thing is just a shooting wise. It's, it's tough because you, you really can't get comfortable there. You can't, it's, it's hard to get in a rhythm because we no. get, we get two practice ends and our practice area for the event sometimes is way different than what the location we're shooting in is like a different carpet, different lighting. Uh, so we get to the the main place we're shooting, we get two practice ends and it's like, all right, we're five ends in now. And now we can start getting a, in a good rhythm. Now we got to switch top to bottom. Now we got to worry about not shooting the wrong target by mistake, which does happen every year. And it's like, there, there's no there's no rhythm it's it's really hard to to get in any kind of rhythm and that's what i think makes it a little bit harder as well yeah absolutely i told leslie <clears throat> at the practice ranges i because this was her first year shooting fair bow indoors and i said don't make any adjustments at the practice range i said if you're grouping your arrows together leave everything else alone don't worry about the middle of the target because when you go downstairs to your bail your lighting's different. Everything's different. So don't make any adjustments at the target. 
as a practice targets. Make all of your adjustments in the first two ends of practice and then own it for the next 10 ends. Is there, is there anything that they wanted to mention yes. that, that, that they thought could help uh, someone else uh, either making the decision to go or just giving them any extra advice on you know, how to do better at Vegas compared to other events? I think uh, me personally, I mean, anybody that hasn't shot Vegas should go. Um, you know, even flights, like I, I shot with a, a buddy in Utah, and he got bumped down to the next flight, but he actually won his flight, so he walked out of there with 600 bucks. you know, which <laughs> that's not bad, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Had a ton of fun, learned a ton of stuff. You hear, you talk to so many people, and they, I don't know, I talked to a few just personally, they're like, I learned so much just from this tournament, you know, about my shooting, my shot, my what I need to work on, and I'm sure... You know, there's a hundred people out there that would say the same thing that just shot Vegas. And every time you go out to these big shoots, it's a learning experience. It's eye opening. It's you well, know, expectations versus reality. And you know what I mean? Well, the nice thing about something like Vegas and Lancaster, if you know, you're you're beginning or even in the middle of your your growth in, in the sport, you can go there, you can run into like you or Winker or Grayson and say, Hey, um, if you're not doing anything in, in a half hour or so you want to, you know, meet me at the practice range and, and look at my shot. Let me, you know, watch me shoot a few times and give me your, you know, your honest opinion, what you think about it and what I should work on. You can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can, in, and, in, and in Vegas, you can do it for days. Yeah. And in person is so much more valuable than FaceTiming or, or even, you know, texting and stuff. You get so much more out of it when you're right there face to face. Yeah, yeah. And you almost have to in that situation because there is such a limited resource for um, I uh, people who are really into Barebow that are co actively coaching it. There's not there's there's a limited resource out there right now. So you have that opportunity, and anybody's going to help. Anybody's going to step up and say, well, I'll show you what I, what I know, and let's see if it can help you or not. Um, you guys are a testament to that. So, yeah, that's that's a great point, and have access to those practice ranges. That's 24 hours out there, too, 24-hour access, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there... if anybody asked me to do that, I'd, I'd be willing to do that. So, so, the, so there was a uh... – an interesting thing that happened to one of my friends. I saw him on the practice range right before the first day, and apparently he forgot his string back home. Now, normally that's not a huge deal, but he was shooting a 72-inch bow with a set of, I think, Uka X-curves. So he that's had... Yeah, so he, he needs a unique string. So he eventually found something... Some from someone, but it wasn't quite a perfect fit. It ended up being like a 10 inch brace or something. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. So that's what he was stuck with. And I'm like, I ended up meeting him uh, about a half hour before first day of competition, you know, before our, we shoot our first scoring arrow. And I'm watching him shoot and I'm like, I'm like, wow, you know, I know he can shoot. And I'm the last time I saw him, his arrows were perfect. And now they're just like, 
they're all over the place. I mean, they're just corkscrewing down like crazy. And I'm like, you all right? He's like, yeah, I forgot my string. I just can't find a good tune. So I grab an arrow out of my quiver. I'm like, here, shoot this one. He shoots it. And it was like, boom, perfect. I'm like, there you go. I grab six more out of my quiver. I'm like, shoot these for the rest of the week until you get home. So he shot, he shot my <laughs> arrows the whole shoot and actually shot pretty good. Um, it way better than he, what he would have, uh, if he kept shooting the arrows he shot. Cause that, that, that wrong string changed his tune so bad. Yeah, but So that's another thing you can, that, you know, if you do, if something does break or you forget something, there's so many people there that, that can easily, you know, help you out. So that was pretty neat. Yep. Well, and I think the other thing to keep in mind, particularly for Vegas, if anybody is thinking about Vegas or if they want to add that to their calendar, the the one thing that nobody really puts a, their thumb on is in Vegas, unless you're winning it, right? Unless you're in the top eight in your flight, uh, in, in the top flight, everybody has a chance to win money. So like one in five archers gets paid. That's the odds of you winning money in Vegas, one in five. So you don't you don't have to you don't have to finish in the top of the top flight to get paid. If you're shooting flights after day two, they're gonna draw those lines in the sand and you're gonna land wherever you land. You might land at the top of the flight, you might land at the bottom of the flight, but you got I mean, really and truly, you got a one in five chance of taking home money. Yeah, that's so a big draw. It, it's a huge draw. And it's not, I mean, Lancaster currently the way it's set up, if you're not winning, it's a, it's a good learning experience. Right. Right. But in Vegas, in Vegas, you can, you can shoot like poo. <laughs> you can still take home a big check. Yeah. So, you know, if you, so if, you wanna, if you want to, so, if you want to, if you want to shoot that's a decent return on investment, you know, and you want to roll the dice, go to Vegas because you get to so, shoot a lot. So you what you're play. saying, what you're saying is, uh, Frank should have won it. Well, yeah, Frank should have won. Obviously, Frank should have won. Uh, you hear that, Frank? We'll, yeah, you could have your we'll, Yeah, next yeah. year we'll show Frank what the top of the second flight looks like. Yeah. <laughs> Keep dreaming, fellas. Second, I was thinking way down farther than that. <laughs> Keep dreaming, fellas. I haven't shot a two forty eight in some time. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> Keep dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's e- it's easy to talk when you're shooting an IBO indoors somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. Don't worry. You're, all three of your days are coming. You just wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a picture. You will. You can post it on Facebook. Frank McDonough kicked my ass. No, I have to. I have to find a group I can post it in first. <laughs> you, you are more than welcome to post it in the Barebow Project. I am okay with that. All right. Oh my god, that's funny. Um, well, that's good stuff. We. I have a question on Facebook, and I wanted to get some feedback from the three of you. Um, it's. It's probably, it's going to be different shooter to shooter for the most part. The question is from Matt uh, Durker. And I did not tell you what this question was because I want your raw answer to it. I saw it. I was flipping through my phone. (laughs) So the question is, what sets off your shot? 
After you reach alignment and tension, how does your brain say, let the string rip through your fingers? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Go ahead, Winker. Okay, so um, my shot, if you want to, if you want to call it my shot trigger, which is a terrible way for me to describe it, particularly with my sentiments on that, um, is 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 a combination of two things: confirmation that the point of the arrow is where I want it, and I and what I like to call ninety nine percent of my back tension. So if my if my point of my arrow is where I want it, and I feel like I'm just about maxed out on my the amount of muscle tension I can create to get my back tension up toward that 100% mark, the string goes just like that. Now, if I, if I hit 100%, for me, I, I have to let down because if I run out of ability to continually tighten that muscle group and I kind of, I hit, I hit that wall, then I end up pulling my bow out of alignment and my arrow starts walking across the target to the right. So when I kind of, it kind of feels like, it kind of feels like a, I don't know, like a pressure cooker. I anchor in, I line it up, I tighten it up, and in my head it's going like 96, 97, 97 and a half, 98, 98 and a half, boom. But that's it. Arrow's where I want it. Back tension feels like it's almost maxed out. Send the string. Is your back tension... Do you have visible movement of your hand and your and your draw arm elbow, or is it that minute that you can't see it? Uh, in the final in the final second of my process, I cannot see movement in my own in my own shot in slow motion, even in slow motion. That's that's good. No, that's that's so you're. You're you are you're relaxed because you're 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 a hundred percent not hundred percent you're ninety nine percent and some change plus into your back still with a little bit of room to go but not much like you know it's time when you probably hit alignment and you're as steady as possible with the tip yep. of your arrow. Yeah, my everything gets. I have this weird moment of calm. Yep. Right when I get to that high level of back tension. And that weird moment of calm lets me know that it's time. No, that's that's a really good way to describe it. I can relate to that for sure. Hey, Dilly, how about you? Mm, you know, I kind of go through my whole my checklist. I, you know, transition from one to the other, and so through the go, leading up to the point of my release, I'm um, I'm kind of. You know, I'll, I'll set my bow shoulder. I'll loosen my grip um, if there's any tension left in my hand at all, because that will usually cause me to left or right a little bit. Um, I'll get in my back, and I'm just kind of feeling. For me, getting in my back is just I can feel when there's good alignment. You know, um, with the arrow, everything just feels my float slows down um, when I have good alignment. So I mean, it's. When on a good day, it's it's pretty much rock solid, and by this time I'm already on the target. Um, and like like Winker's saying, it's almost like a moment of calm, and everything's good, and you kind of get the little green light in your head, and it just goes. 
but also it's a timing thing. I mean, I think on my shots, you could probably put a stopwatch from the time that I come to anchor until the time that I release. And they're probably 95% of them are probably within a half a second of each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If I get the hold too long, my form breaks down, my bow shoulder starts creeping up, my form just starts breaking down and start creeping. And those are the times that I should let down and reset. But it's not only, you know, the calm, but it's a timing thing. And it's, yeah, um, that's why I like drawing on target. Some people like to draw off target and bring it in or drop it down or bring it up. And actually, when I'm drawing, I'm actually drawing on target because, I don't know, it's less to do. Oh, hope that answers your question. A hundred percent. I I mean, again, we're we're talking about that moment of calm, the moment of, I say relaxation. Um, it's it's just a it's a moment where, um, your body is comfortable, and and you know what that is is that's people who diligently have worked hard at beating the target panic that barebow archers face. You know, it's, it's, it's a hard place to get to. It's not easy and it's nothing but hard work that's going to get you there. But John Demmer, how about yourself? When do you know to let the string rip through your fingers? Hmm. So I'm kind of similar to the other two in some ways because I do the same thing. You know, I pull back kind of within the immediate vicinity of the gold, but I do it in a, a unique way compared to some people. Some people like they aim hard while they're doing that. I do more of like my eyes are kind of like staring into oblivion. Like nothing's in focus. My arrow tip's not in focus. My target's not in focus. And I pull back and I hit anchor, but I can still see everything super blurry. And then once I hit anchor and everything feels good, then I start focusing and usually my point is pretty close. So I don't have like the linger, I don't have a lot of that wasted movement. And then I transition step by step until I get to my back. Back feels good. Back starts to feel good right before I start aiming. You know, so that's starting to engage. I move on to the aiming, start to aim, float slows down, start to feel my back a little bit more when the float has pretty much stopped now it'll still move sometimes eight to eight sometimes nine and a half to nine and a half sometimes just edge of the 10 to edge of the 10 and occasionally once in a blue moon it doesn't move at all and that all varies from shot to shot not just day to day um and when that slows down to what appears to be the slowest it's going to be which is about half a second to a second and a half of aiming then I start to feel my back a little bit more. And for me, it's it's all it's like a a small conscious decision that I can move on and I can shoot this thing whenever I want to. But it takes that moment where my point starts slowing down before I even, you know, have that that moment of conscious decision that I can move on to the shot. And then when I move on to the shot, it's just all right. I just focus on feeling my back and make, you know, it, everything leading up to that. It's sometimes it sounds like a big step 
in the shot sequence, like from step to step, but it all happens so fast. It happens in, you know, half a second of time. And that, that very end is where I'm focusing on my back just a little bit more. And, you know, my, my back elbow feels pretty good. Everything feels in the line. And then I just like, I make that subconscious decision that I can shoot whenever I want. And it just, it goes. As soon as, as soon as I make that decision, I focus on, you know, the follow through and it just, I just, it just lets go. Um, when I think too much, then I start to pluck. But when I, when I actually think about opening my fingers, I start to pluck a little bit. Do you, do you all, all, I need an answer from all three of you. Do you define when your release happens in the subconscious or the conscious? Subconscious. That's still in your It just goes off, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you could consciously say, okay, fire, you know what I mean? It's, yep, agreed. It just, it just happens, and it, it just comes from repetition of putting in, you know, good quality arrows, you know what I mean? And, I, I think I'm going conscious. Really? I, yeah, I, I get it. I load it up. I load the back up, points where I want it, send it. Yeah, I think I'm in the middle. I think if there's sub sub subconscious, yeah, there's some now conscious and some subconscious in there. I don't. I'm not going to say that my individual finger control. I'm not. I'm not trying to individually control my fingers to release the string, but but my brain definitely says send it. Do you ever let down? Yes, all the time. A lot. I probably let down, I think that final day in Vegas, I think I probably had six six or seven letdowns. I was if, let if down the last day. <laughs> if, it, if, if it's not right, if it's not right, I don't even get, I don't even get close usually. Yeah. Every now and then I get real, real close and it gets a little scary. Every now and then I get super close and I think to myself, okay, dummy, hold on to that string and let this thing down. Yeah. I think I think having a more conscious approach, you probably will have more. I, um, I'm definitely more of a subconscious like Dillinger. I hit full draw. Um, I make sure that I I know I feel my alignment, and I similar to what Demer does. As soon as I don't, I don't. I just stare at the target. I stare into oblivion into the target. And when I draw back, I hit anchor. I just literally throw the tip of the arrow in the middle of the target, and I just let it settle. And I don't do anything except for when that, when the tip of the arrow, flo- when my float settles, my body relaxes. The more that that tip settles, the more I relax. And when I get to the point where it's, you know, like middle of the nine, ten-ish, you know, some days it's eight to eight, some days it's nine to nine, whatever. As soon as that settles to the point where I feel like I am super calm. Um, my mind switches focus to almost after the shot. I I don't think about my release. I think about what my release is like after I'm done. And it just just happens. That's the only way I can describe it. Because it just happens. My bow arm stays, and I reflect immediately. Probably before the string is out of my fingers, I'm reflecting on where I want this thing to end. Because it's an immediate feedback and identifier of where that arrow is going to land is where I finish after the shot is over. 
So my, you, if you watch my release, my index figure, for the most part, I would say eight out of ten times, seven out of ten times, is drags along my cheek, and I finish right behind my neck. And if I do it correctly, my bow arm should stay relatively still afterwards. If my bow arm's flying all around, you probably drive by. But I've been doing it uh, less than the three of you, so like I'm still hammering out those finite details. But I think it's there's some proof there that while there's some differences in all four of us, there's the similarities are definitely are overwhelming. That you know the idea of feeling the shot. The idea of, of of letting letting the body tell you when to let go. Cause, so, Winker, you said it's conscious, but really the body is still telling you, yeah, it's time. It's time yeah, to absolutely. Go. I, it's, yeah, I don't uh, – if, 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 the, if the position's not right, if the feeling's not right, yeah. then no way do I decide to let go of the string. Yeah. Um, I, well, I mean, actually, that's not 100% true. I shot a six on the last 15 years. <laughs> but But – 97% of the time I would never I would never get to the stage of letting go of the string if, if it didn't feel right and I'd like to I'd like to also say I don't teach the way I shoot so I'm I'm a command shooter from way back in the day and I from compound days and I I broke the habit of com, of compound command shooting and I will likely break the habit of barebow command shooting but i gotta first i gotta get first i gotta get it and then i break it and then i'll rebuild it i think you're close to that already yeah i'm, yeah. I'm pretty close but yeah. i yeah i ran through it a lot quicker in barebow than i did in compound and compound it took me like two years to break it and rebuild it yeah so. i think you'll i think you're you're well on your way if not close um already it's it sounds like you are i know i I'm not, I'm not sure listening to you describe it. I think your conscious decision is just that you're, you'll let down if, if, if it doesn't feel right. I think there's mostly subconscious going on. And if you, I'm sure you, when you took your USA level four, I'm sure, uh, you know, you kissing Lee probably talked a a little bit about that at some point, Uh, you know, the idea you, yeah. Well, when he saw me, when he saw me shoot the first time, shooting barebow, yeah, he said, "You're a compound shooter." <laughs> and I, and I said, "Yeah," and he goes, "It it shows." Yeah. So he it took it took one one shot, and he and he he knew like my he knew my previous history without me having to tell him. Yeah, it's, so it's uh, probably indicative of like that explosive finish. An explosive yep. finish, yeah, yeah. That surprise finish that is notoriously taught from a release aid point, you know, back tension and or index finger, whatever. It's that surprise shot. There's an explosion that happens, you know. And even in, in Olympic recurve, you watch a lot of people who shoot Olympic recurve with a clicker, and that 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 explosion happens. It's a little bit more controlled. Than in a compound, but there's still an explosion because there's that identifier that says, "Okay, it's time to go now," and then boom, it goes. And those who shoot that way but are able to relax out of the clicker quicker, you're able to let the shot happen but maintain the posture and maintain the form. 
and you watch, and uh, you know, we talk about Brady enough. Just watch Brady's form. Brady's watch the way he just looks so ridiculously smooth after the shot. Don't watch during the shot. We know what he does during the shot. You know, he's got this ridiculous core engagement. He's all sorts of twisted up into that NTS form, and he expands through and boom. But man, after that thing goes, it's like watching poetry happen right in front of you. It's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. But, you know, in Verbo, you have to be so much, the expansion isn't quite the same. So that's why we all talk about that settle, that moment of calmness. It's got to happen so that you're, that the, that's when the target panic basically goes away. It's done. Oh, yeah, it's, it's gone. It's gone. There's, it doesn't exist at that moment in time. And that's when the truck, the shot subconsciously goes. Yep. What do you think, John Demmer? Yep. That's how I get rid of it. It's I the only time I ever get anxious is when I'm running too much mental. Like I'm running too much conscious. Yeah. And that's usually not on the aim because I'm not allowed to shoot yet. So my aim is usually really good. I never give my myself permission to shoot until my aim settles down. So I never get catchy on my aim. It's usually when I'm getting anxious to move to the next step where I'm trying to short, short circuit something where I'm trying to uh, skip, you know, skip over a step. Yep. Yeah. And then that moment, and that's why I can, I can turn off the anxiety in one letdown. I'll bring it right back up because I know I need that moment of calmness before I'm even allowed to, to shoot an arrow and that's how I get rid of mine that's really good feedback that's outstanding feedback actually people people if you're listening to this this stuff is gold this is barebow gold right here listen to it retain it write it down take notes do what you got to do because I mean it's literally the trick it's the trick it's the trick to shooting successful competitive barebow is learning to relax and deal with it and put in the work and do the grind and enjoy the suck and shoot the blind bill, do the draw holds, take the lumps at the tournaments and, and, and do what you got to do and make it work. Learn, learn to enjoy the aim. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 Everybody short circuits there because they try to skip it. You know, they try to time it. And if you can learn to enjoy it and watch it do its thing, uh, it's that gets rid of so much if you can just learn to enjoy the aim. I like the I way really you like that. that. Yeah. yeah, me I too. Too. I'm getting a shirt that says that. That's awesome. And a I big think... shout out to Matt Durker, by the way. He's somewhat local to me. He's only a couple hours away. Oh, cool. When that guy figures, when that guy figures it out, we're all yeah. going to see something awesome. Yeah, tell him to stop leaning so much. <laughs> that cat leans so bad. He does. He has a little bit of a lean and a head tilt, but when that guy figures it out, he's gonna put on a show because he can shoot. Is it a Brady yeah. lean or a bigger lean than that? It's different. It's different. different. Yeah. It's like yeah, I think it's... he's he's already there because he beat me at the ASA in uh, Kentucky by one point or something like that. So I'm, I'm telling you, when he puts one together, it's awesome to watch. He can do it. <laughs> it was a battle of who's gonna fall apart the most in the last two targets. <laughs> is what it was. It was, and I lost. It was. Uh, so, yeah, lost. well, we did. 
We haven't seen that Dillinger in a long time. <laughs> Where, it was guy? one of those. Where's that guy? Um, I'm going to get to the to the range an hour early, and oh no, there's construction, and you've got you're backed up for 55 minutes. Ooh. So no breakfast, and you're just <laughs> basically running out to the range. But yeah, I, I should have been prepared with granola bars or something. I I didn't even win a dilly dollar that weekend. <laughs> Dilly, but Dilly yeah. had to pay Durker. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I want my dollar back. So. But no, I just I wanted to add one more thing, and I think a turning point for me when I started shooting pretty well, um, bare bow, was we all shoot pretty shots in practice, yeah. and we all have this fluid release back tension. And I see so many shooters, and I did the same thing where they got they get in a tournament, they get all tense, and there's a static release. Yeah or they're pulling away from their face. <clears throat> and once you can figure out, it's, I mean, it takes, it's not bravery, but it takes some balls, I guess, to to have good back tension in a tournament for like until you really get confidence in it. You know what I mean? It's almost, for me, it was almost like that drill where you lean back and somebody catches you. You know what I mean? Trust fall. So you, it takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of trust in your shot to get to that point where you get a good release. And I see so many people that's like, man, they're on the practice range. You're just boom, 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 boom. And you watch them, they get up to that first scoring end and it's like pluck, 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 you know, and then they're like, and they're in their own head by that point. You know what I mean? It's that used to bother me. That first, the the proverbial words, this end is for sport used to bother me. It doesn't anymore, but it wasn't until I learned to forget that. To yeah, forget about I mean, the score. Literally forget about your score. Forget about everybody else's score. Forget about everybody else's target. Worry about what you need to do right there in the moment. Now, I know, Waker, you're a little more externally driven with that, and that's that's a good thing. Maybe there's some people out there that will that will be able to relate to you know your motivation. You like the drive of of trying to you know better that arrow it makes you concentrate makes you do your thing so that's a good thing it's good that you you have you're able to identify that because there may be other people out there that once they get their form figured out they get their tune figured out they start to find that consistency you know you're a competitive person so that's where you know it's good that you are you have that ability to say this is what this is what keeps me going this is what I want. I want to beat you in the nicest way possible, of course. But I want to beat you. Yep. I want to win. And they're yeah, both right. competitive. That's what, and that's what is that is what drives me too. And people and there's a lot of people out there that are so I really like the phrase that's verbo. And I really hate the phrase that's verbo. <laughs> because, because let's face it, if if you really want to win, it's not verbo right? It's just a competitive sport. So there's that, well, it's bare, like, and I know, and, and I love it and hate it. It's yeah. bare bow close. Yeah. Bare bow close my butt. Yeah. Shoot them in the middle, right? Yeah. Win. High scores win. That's the truth. And the higher, the and scores are only going to get higher. With as many people are shooting bare bow now, there's going to be people who rise to the top. Sure. And those people are going to push the score, like Grayson. I mean, guy doesn't even shoot. We're, it, those scores are going to go up and up and up and that whole phrase well it's bare bow 
where it's variable close, that's going to be a thing of the growth period. Yeah. That's not going to be a thing of the peak period because at the top, it's going to be close. Me and third, me and third place were only like three points away from each other. That's a close game, no matter what. So, yeah, yeah the idea it, that people are going to continue throwing it. crazy, you know, the, yeah, I know what you're saying. The barebow community is great. The barebow, the it, that's barebow thing is great. However, there's a break off of that happening, and that's that that upper echelon of people who are driven to to make barebow close no longer. 30 points, 20 points. They want that it's it's going to be who's going to hit the gold every time for 60 arrows. That's that's that's, that's right. what's happening. That's what's you know, and you know, we already have guys in, in and and women as well. I mean, let's face it, like Lena and Fawn and some of the other the, the women across the country or across the world really their their scores are just driving up. And then you have Eric you know, you said Eric's Eric Johnson has shot five seventies. How many times? We're just we're just at the tip of the iceberg right now. This this this, right. this big bubble of of barebows growing, and then there's there's this there's going to be a break off. You're going to see it change. But I can't wait. I can't wait to see that first that first round where it's everybody where it's all gold, sixty arrows, all gold, and and a you know five eighty plus score it's coming i don't know when but it's going to come in my opinion maybe it'll be john dever if he shoots another back-to-back nah. 290s if he can find nah. a two i think those are practice days <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. a very unique practice day <laughs> listen I, I watched you shoot that that half it was there it's not it's there. It, it takes, it takes luck. It takes some luck. It takes luck of catching way more lines than you don't. That's, it's, it's tough. It ain't easy because you got to be mentally engaged in every single shot and you got to get luck on your side the majority of the time. One of my favorite sayings is the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, that that last end was was golden. Thank you so much. I think that's gonna that should send a, a really positive message to a lot of people that are searching for that. I think that's something that the majority of airbow shooters struggle with, and that's uh, people people need to hear hear from people who who are who it definitely works, and and they have to find their own way through that. So 